0: Welcome to Clayton Rocks, the world's first podcast for bass players, dedicated to Adam Clayton's bass lines, his basses and bass gear. Well, hello there. I'm Niall Featherstone and welcome to episode three of Clayton Rocks. Clayton Rocks is a podcast all about Adam Clayton's bass lines, his basses and his bass gear. As you know, this show was co-hosted by myself in Dublin and my good friend Tom in New York. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm great there now. Well, folks, in today's episode, we've a very, very special guest—the amazing YouTube brother himself, ladies and gentlemen. I'd love to welcome, delighted to be here, Mr. Mark Baker. Hey, Mark, how are you?
1: I am fantastic. Oh my goodness, what an introduction! I'm fantastic. Good to see you guys.
2: I love your enthusiasm.
1: <laughs> you know what? Uh, I'm a chipper guy.
2: Same here. All right, let's do this. Mark, once again, welcome to the podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. We all have our own U2 story, how we came to the band. So let's start from the beginning. How did you discover U2 and what drew you to the bass and Adam Clayton?
1: Okay, so uh, I came to U2 in a weird sort of way. Um, uh, Growing up in uh, Pickering, Ontario, I was really in high school, really into the hip hop very much into hip-hop music and hip-hop culture i I watched a lot of 80s stuff on you know uh much music which is the uh, canadian version of mtv but i remember as being young and hearing uh new year's day new year's day was probably the first song that i heard and being sort of blown away by the band and the message and the angst and the baseline and everything. But I still wasn't into U2. And then um, one of my best mates in high school, uh, Terry Chadwick, he was really into them. And he kept saying to me, you got to hear this band, dude. You got to hear this band. You got to listen. You have to listen to the, these guys. And um, essentially, <laughs> one of my first days of, first times of underage drinking, uh, he was like, "Listen, listen to this song. And he put on running to stand still on the headphones while I was, you know, inebriated. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this sounds incredible. And then from then on, I went to, you know, listening to the back catalog and everything from, you know, boy, October War, unforgettable fire right up to about the joshua tree so by that now the joshua tree was out and i thought okay i'm a full-fledged fan here um i also remember being too young to go to the joshua tree concert so uh, i didn't actually see my first u2 show until zoo tv in toronto
2: that's a good one to start with. <laughs> oh, and
1: then and then by Zoo TV, after I saw that show at Maple Leaf Gardens in, uh, I think it was nineteen ninety two or ninety ninety two ninety three, uh, I was I was hooked. It was full on, you know, love for this band. I missed. I forgot your other questions. You had more questions attached to that. You had more um, questions.
2: No, I will relate to that again. Uh, you know, and then what you to the bass uh, and to Adam Clayton particularly.
1: So you know, I, I I grew up playing piano for most of my life, uh, classical piano, hmm. and then in high school I went to the trumpet, and I I was always conscious of all the other instruments that were like in a band and in in an orchestra per se, um, and I always liked music, but realized uh, I I just. Couldn't get my head around left hand, right hand piano all the time, all the time, and I found myself very interested in, always in what my left hand was doing in piano and the bass. And then you know, Adam, I heard you know Adam was there in other bands and other bass lines, but it wasn't until I actually went to see a band one night in university where I was like. I need to play bass. <laughs> I think this is the instrument for me. No more chords or, you know, playing rhythm and, and playing the melody at the same time, piano. I just need to play bass. And so I bought myself a bass. And fair enough, that one of the very first lines I ever learned to play was New Year's Day. Was New Year's Day, ironically, the song that uh, I loved or heard first. From the band in the first place so that kind of brought me to playing the bass and then you know i there was a lot of other people that i copied like flea and and you know um pearl jams bass player jeff emmett and uh, other oh, he's people. fantastic yeah and i started like emulating that you know during the grunge times emulating a lot of those players um and i also felt too oh you know adam was you know adam sort of progressed to become a much more complicated bass player compared to maybe some of the, some of the Joshua tree things where it's just like, you know, bass notes and root notes and fifths and sort of thing. Um, so I felt a lot of the time that I loved Adam as a bass player, but I didn't really gravitate towards copying him. I always felt like Adam played it best and, you know, I just, I just thought some of the lines, especially like, you know, some of the, you know, uh, still haven't found what I'm looking for. Right. It just seemed simplistic, but effective and I could copy it, but I just didn't make a point of trying to emulate per se, Adam until later on in my life, (laughs) until later on in my life. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Uh, Were you in a band at the time?
1: so uh, yeah i was in i've been in a few bands you know uh, mostly originals uh ri- original bands always yeah. were original bands to, to start uh my first band was uh one of my first bands was you know called we call ourselves out out to nowhere and it's amazing because some of these bands definitely had echoes of youtube sounds in them uh second band was why walk alone and I found myself trying to write songs or lyrics or have that epic feeling of say what you two would be, what you two would be, even though we weren't you two. Um, and then, interestingly enough, uh, this is where my friend Gabriel came into play. Gabriel, who sings as Bono, he had an original band called October, and um, he would used to tour with them. And then that band fell apart, and then. Gabriel started moonlighting as Bono in other bands. And then Gabriel answered an ad for the bass player, or sorry, for the, uh, the drummer and the guitarist, Michael and Martin. Um, and Gabe was starting a band and he was like, dude, I need a bass player. And if there's a bass player that should be in the band, it should be you, Mark, because you're the biggest YouTube fan I know. And at the time, I had a hard time understanding the difference between a cover band and a tribute band. And so, you know, you could be a cover band and play covers, but a tribute band is supposed to be a band that looks like the band. And I said, Gabriel, if you haven't forgotten, I, I'm, I'm a black dude. I'm a black man. There's no way that I look at all like Adam Clayton. And Gabriel was insistent, like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You should be up on stage with us and whatnot. And so ironically, I'll never forget, I came to the first practices, and I, as big as a YouTube fan as I was, I actually was fumbling the notes of Adam Clayton. Despite knowing every single song, I was kind of like, oh, I think it goes like this. And then I started to realize I need to do more homework. And uh, over the years I built my chops up and and learning Adam's lines. So and it's been a fantastic ride. Like being able to what I think about is sometimes going and playing uh, you know small theaters and stuff and people coming, knowing that they're going to see a band that's obviously not YouTube or plays in the style of YouTube, there are times where I'm looking out and going, if I feel this good, playing this music what the heck how does adam clayton feel oh yeah. just how does you two feel like it's it's sometimes this it can be very overwhelming and you know the glory feels good but the glory is really really belongs to you too for this incredible music that they provided the soundtrack they provided over the years yeah,
2: I think I, I, Adam recently said that's one of the things that keeps them going is that communal spirit at their concerts.
1: Yes, yes, it's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And I mean, I'm very fortunate to have met Adam many times, and uh, you know, I usually rehearse what I'm trying <laughs> to say when I find out he's approaching and when he's going to talk. And uh, you know, we've had I think we've had conversations over the years, sometimes a little longer, sometimes short, but it. For one, he is the ultimate gentleman. I cannot stress this enough. I mean, all the band members are, but he is perhaps the most refined gentleman out there that I know or have ever met in my life. And two, he's just, uh, there's some attention to detail with things. There's some attention to detail with things. And he has remembered things that I've told him and uh, and um, yeah, it just just in general, just I can't even say enough good things about him.
2: That led perfectly into the, the next question, which was, how did you go about you know going from a fan uh, to become a YouTube brother and you know meeting them? Okay, so
1: <laughs> I'm pray- I'm crazy. I'm crazy. Um, I, I started going to so many shows and started seeing so many people. Being pulled up on stage and whatever. And I was like, darn it. I don't play guitar. I only play bass. They don't choose bass players. <laughs> what about I-, I don't belly dance either? They're choosing these women to belly dance. I don't belly dance. What can be my shtick? And I don't know what came over me, but I just had Zoo TV left an impression. And I thought, what if I started going to the shows dressed up as. A mirror ball man. <laughs> just like them, not exactly like the mirror ball man from zoo TV, but a version of, and so I saw Bono and, um, I just said to him, listen, I just want you to know, uh, I don't know if you know who I am, but I'm always in the front row of your shows on the black and the front row of your shows. I'm going <laughs> to start coming to shows dressed up as the mirror ball man. I'm going to be the mirror ball man 2.0. And so, um, i remember i you know made the helmet got the shiny gear and i remember going to the first show uh it could have been it was winnipeg or maybe or maybe it was michigan And i remember feeling really embarrassed oh my gosh what am i doing (laughs) why am i just all this attention what are you doing oh i had my license plate youtube brother and everything. And all of a sudden, the band started to notice me. And people started to notice me. And and then around that time, too, a friend of mine decided to make a goofy fan film called YouTube Brother. And I'm in it. And it's about my quest to be on stage. And I was like, don't make this movie. It's going to be horrible. And then when I saw the first few scenes, how pro it looked, I was like, yeah, let's let's make the movie. So the rumor is, is that the crew or the band saw it uh, okay. after 360. Because 360 tour was like, I'm trying to get on stage, trying to make this happen. And it didn't happen at all. I got acknowledgement from Bono. Bono would shout me out on stage, you know, winks and nods from the band. But it wasn't till the IE tour, when I showed up in Montreal, where uh Brian Murphy body, uh, Bono's bodyguard uh said to me um where have you been <laughs> I said what do you mean he goes where have you been we've been looking for you <laughs> that how's my irish accent was that good, that good <laughs> that's good that's very good <laughs> <laughs> where you been we've been looking for you and i'm like looking for me and then um brian was like we're going to tell bono you're here and i was like what and he started texting <laughs> And then, shortly then, later, in the receiving line of fans, Bono came, and he was, like, happy to see me, and blah, blah, blah. And then, sure enough, that night in Montreal was the first night I was on stage and picked up Bono and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, it was all, like, a means to an end for my for the dream to happen. And I was over the moon that this all happened. But then things just kept happening again. And it, like, even if, even if I wasn't say trying, actively trying to do, have more things happen, more things just happened.
2: Yeah. I saw you on stage uh, at Madison Square Garden on that tour. Yeah,
1: that's right. Yeah. And at Madison Square Garden, I was like, I'm not going to go over to the, the, the E stage because somebody else needs to be chosen not me. I And I stood at the ramp. And of course Bono came down a few times and winked at me. And next thing I know, he's pulled me up from where I was. Uh, my wife calls it uh, the best ever romance ever. The biggest <laughs> romance ever. And then I have the picture of me carrying Bono. She's like, and I will always love you. <laughs> it's a big joke. It's a running joke. It's a running joke.
2: So this is the uh, Clayton Rocks podcast. Uh, any stories uh, you can share about uh, Adam Clayton? Have you met, met him or discussions or any funny stories?
1: Yeah, I can tell you a few things. Um, on one of our discussions uh, when he was Green fans, on my phone, I had a picture of uh, the Purple Jazz bass. And I said to him, hey, Adam, I just want you to know that I bought one of your bases and da, da, da. And so then we had this conversation about the, pr- and he was like, just the letting you know, these are very, these are going to be very rare. I'm so glad that you got one. He said to me, um, you're going to find this base is going to treat you very well. You're going to, you're going to love this base. So that was one of our conversations. Um We've also had conversations. As you know, my band got pulled up on stage uh, to play Desire in Toronto. And I have to admit, i got to be very honest with you, it was not my best performance. I couldn't (laughs) hear myself. Uh, I was playing the Warwick bass, so the neck was different. And I'm going to be very honest as a bass player, I play by ear. Right? I play bass by ear. I don't read notes. I play by feel. I have muscle memory. And let's just say things went awry. There was no ear monitoring. So if I had heard, but I did not play my best during that instance. And I thought I played my best. <laughs> and then when I came home and looked at the video, I went, oh my gosh, <laughs> my opportunity. And I ruined it. Oh my God. Oh, I was, I was. Devastated, actually. I'm coming clean, coming clean on the podcast. (laughs) And I was devastated about my performance um, and uh, everything. And I thought, oh my gosh, every time the video plays, I'm reliving this bad moment. And so New York happened in New York, and Bono and Edge came to the cutting room uh, for the At You Two party. And they had Unforgettable Fire, that cover band, that tribute band playing. And Bono and Edge surprised everyone and interjected and played. And to be told, Adam had a few issues because it wasn't his bass. And I think, you know, the bass was drop tuned or it was the wrong tuning of the bass. So there's there a couple restarts of of streets or out of control because, you know, and I just thought, you know what? Here I was in my in his element, and I didn't do a good job. And here's Adam at the cutting room floor, and he had some difficulties, but he overcame okay. it. These are things that just can happen. Sure. And after the the incident with me and him in Toronto, he just said to me, "I want you to know, um, I'm I'm really proud of you that you were able to do this without proper in your monitors." Hmm. So fast forward to. Fast forward to New York when I got up on stage again and I was saying my goodbyes off stage. The first thing I did was beeline to Adam and said, hey, Adam, I was on stage with Acrobat and I kind of messed up the lines. I'm really, really sorry. And he was such a gentleman. He was just like, don't worry about it. You did the best job you could. You still made me very proud. And, you know, he's just the nicest guy. Yeah, nice. And then my and then my last conversation was I flew to Belfast to see the shows. And I think by now I've had I have the purple, I had the purple jazz, I had the green Sherwood, and I had the gold sparkle precision. And so I showed him a picture of all three bases, and he was like Oh, my goodness. And what I did was, and as you know, the band doesn't like to sign um, guitars, right? Most of the time, the band thinks these are eBayers. These are people who are going to try and sell us. But I brought the pick guard to the Purple Bass after me showing him all three. And he said to me, Adam said to me, I just want you to know I don't normally sign guitars, but I know you. And I know you're not going to sell this. And so he signed the Purple the purple tortoise, the sorry, the purple sparkle pickguard, the white tortoise pickguard for me. And I have that. And I thought, wow, wow, wow. I have a lot of stuff from the band over the years that, you know, memorabilia, I have a whole I have a whole room in this basement dedicated to U2 stuff. But that's one of my cherished items because we've, we had a discourse about it. And he's like, I normally don't do this, but I know who you are. And I know you're not going to sell this. And I'm gonna do it for you.
2: So, are most of your conversations are meeting the band uh, like prior to the show or after the show, or
1: it's usually it's usually before the show, like as they're coming in and yeah. they're doing like a meet and and stuff like that, or for or some of them have been actually on stage, on like real quick banter on stage. So, yeah, yeah,
2: you're not like texting buddies with Adam or anything.
1: No, no. <laughs> no. And it's weird. And it's and it's crazy because I can,
2: can you call him up right now and put put him on?
1: <laughs> I keep thinking to myself, wow, he knows who I am. Like one of my heroes yeah. knows who I am. It, it's bananas. Anyway, for me too, the thing with Adam, I feel like he has progressed as a bass player. Like you've actually, you can actually hear and chart his progression as a bass player. Like if we're all musicians or we're all people and we all want to grow in whatever it is that we're doing, that's positive. I feel like, um, you know, from a, from a band that said, Oh, we don't really know how to play our instruments. And you have like boy and, and, October and War and and some things like that to moving forward and moving forward and now hearing some of the lines he does, especially live. I, I'm I'm I can't I'm so impressed. <laughs> I'm so impressed when I'm even on stage playing. Um, our acrobat listens to the live versions and we say, okay, we're going to do uh, you know this version, this song of this version from this tour, and this song of this version from this tour. But you can hear when I listen to some a lot of the newer live stuff with Adam, it's, it's, it's uh, he's a night and day different player.
2: Yeah. I That's one of the that I, I, yeah, one of the things I always loved about you too is you know they saw the studio as one thing and then live as another. And yeah, Adam's baselines certainly change you know.: changed, you know a lot. Yes,
1: it definitely changed. Like you know you know you know the, the the rhythms of stuff, but like you know, when he's doing bad, for example. You can hear the runs. What he's doing, mysterious ways. He's constantly moving the line, which is so different from the album. Absolutely, right? yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Constantly moving the, the lines everywhere, and it's it's he's 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 become he's become very comfortable, but at the same time knows who he is and knows how he supports the band. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I think.
0: All right. Thanks, Mark. On to you, <laughs> Niall. Mark, one of the main yes. purposes of this podcast is to discuss Adam's base collection. And you, yes. of all people that I know, are very fortunate to have an amazing Adam Clayton base collection. And you just made mention of it there. But the first thing I want to ask you about your base collection is, can we talk about the gold and <laughs> talk about how cool it looks, how cool it plays, those really awesome uh, pick uh pick up in it and yes yeah, so it is one yeah. of 60 one of 60 in the world yes
1: yes so the good news is is that my wife she doesn't listen to podcasts so <laughs> we can talk about it no problem she's upstairs but she's not going to hear this but yes the gold one it it really honest to goodness uh it it came available i saw it online and i thought about it and i thought about it and literally <clears throat> i'm not going to say the price But I literally thought to myself, do I want this bass or do I want a Rolex? (laughs) Which would suit me better. And I decided that this was a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to get this bass. And uh, it did not disappoint. Now, truth be told, I am a jazz bass lover. I'm I'm not saying I hate precisions. I do like precisions, and I believe precisions have a certain sound, and I believe jazz basses have a certain sound. And I also believe, just like Adam, I prefer a jazz neck. Even though when I learned bass initially, it was always a precision, I actually prefer the skinnier neck. So the gold the gold um, the gold precision has a jazz neck. So I always say, is it a true precision? If it has a jazz neck, I don't know, but it's the pickup. It's the pickup in <laughs> the body. But well, what about the neck? Well, the neck, Right. It has a jazz neck. The growl, it's got a different growl because it has the Abby Yibera. Abby Yibera is uh, a woman who worked for Fender for over 50 years and their hand wound pickups. And, um, Apparently, the last pickup she made, the guitar pickups went to Keith Richards. Wow. And she's oh, apparently right. made pickups for all the greats, like Jimi Hendrix and whatever. So her pickups are... And so for her to have done these bass pickups, because they're signed on the back by her, are, it makes puts the bass in another epic stratosphere. And then the fact that it's gold sparkle and inlaid... And it's made pretty much like a custom shop base, right? Pretty much made like a custom shop base. But it's, uh, but um, no, uh, no, it is a custom shop base because I, uh, what's his name? Peter Walker? Walker is his name. He's the guy who made the base for Adam. So I decided I needed to have this. <laughs> and, uh, I guess it's, I'm going to be buried with it. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Mark, the good, the good
0: news is at short notice, I'm very, very interested in flying from Dublin to Toronto. If you ever get bored of that place, <laughs> um, And I'm sure you'll have no problem just handing it over to me. I'm uh, closer. <laughs> so
1: it has that precision sound because of the pickups and everything. And it is mastercraft. It's it's. It, that's the word it's custom there's custom shop and there's master built so right. master built is when you only have one guitar person who does everything and custom shop means you have one person to oversee it but you might have different hands on the bass right. so right. I think this is like a custom shop bass
0: it's so cool that makes sense. as you know Mark I've been on a journey for the last year trying you know to what? Re- what, replicate
1: that bass and you've seen I know and, and what's crazy is I've even thought to my wife but I've even thought, if I find another one, maybe I might buy it and just have it, right? And I have never seen, I've only ever seen one other for sale, and it disappeared. I don't know. It's just, if it, 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 um, there's a website, TalkBase, uh, yep. and when they first came out, people were selling and trading these things all the time, all the time and the price initially was like a lot of money then the price dropped the going rate dropped for a while and people were i'm selling this base i'm buying this base." i'm and now i cannot find one for the life of me anywhere
0: they are very difficult to get i think you're the only person in the world that i know has one there was one went up in chicago last year very very briefly for for two days and then it sold immediately and it was gone but during You know, you have to jump when you see it, as you say, I know yeah. and those all, and myself, and others on on the podcast are always keeping an eye on reverb, to ca- just in case one comes out. But in the last right. year, in the last year, I've been kind of, as you know, been on a journey trying to replicate that gold base and your gold base. And I've had uh, a guy called Tony Thompson, who's a famous luthier here in Ireland, based in Arclo in County Wicklow. And Tony has done quite a good job a- in replicating. Yes, I've seen your base, design. and it looks phenomenal. fantastic. And fairness, Tony is a real perfectionist. I know everything has to be absolutely precise. So it's not the real thing, but it's very, very close. But as I said, I'm very uh, amenable at short notice to fly from Dublin to Toronto anytime. I can do it next week if you want, no problem.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I love it. I
0: love it. And can I ask you, Mark, the other, apart from you mentioned the purple as well and the Sherwood green. So you, and I know that you recently uh, got back your, your flea base. So of those Correct. bases yeah. that you have, which one would be your number one uh, Clayton bass that would be your go-to bass?
1: So my, my number one is the Purple, believe it or not, the Purple Jazz. The Purple Jazz. The Purple... So when I, I tour with Acrobat, we usually do two acts, let's say. So two, two, um, like two parts of the show. And so usually the first half of the show... It's the purple base that's out. And then for the second half of the show, it's the gold base that's out. But the purple base is the one. The purple base... Like, the gold looks great. No disrespect to the gold. But the purple one is the eye-catching one. The ladies love it. <laughs> it is it is the, the, the killer for me. The, the The purple one. Ironically now, I actually love the Sherwood and I actually lo- believe it or not I actually love the feel of, of Rosewood on my fingers and I think the sound from Rosewood is better however due to my older age the maple is easier to see on stage the dots and everything it's easier to see on stage yeah. um, when the lights <laughs> are changing in the environment and you look down on the Rosewood you're like oh my oh, God. Where, 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 where am I so
2: that, yeah, thanks sir. Thanks for saying that. I'm not sidetracked for a moment, but um I just had this whole forum discussion on talk on talk base, uh, because I just got a new base with a um rosewood board. And I've always played maple fretboards, and I have noticed a difference with the rosewood board just kind of getting a little oriented. It's just you know, the, the dots don't pop out as much. Yes. Um so yes. yeah, I'm glad you, you kind of
1: Yeah, what so <laughs> rosewood, I think. I like the way rosewood feels. I like the way rosewood sounds. I don't like the way you have to maintain rosewood, whereas maple you can see it easier. It's yeah. easier to maintain. You just need to wipe it. If it's lacquered, you just need to wipe it. You don't need to lemon it and keep it. So, so I'm playing both of those bases on stage. But to answer your question, the jazz one, when the jazz came to my house and I saw the case, I was like, "This is, this is Adam. Look at that's a gingham." That's a gingham bass. I walk with that bass into practice and I have other people in other bands who are just like, what is, is that a bass case? What is that? I I, I feel like I want a matching blazer. I want a matching blazer. A gingham blazer. I mean, yeah.
0: And Mark, recently Adam came out with a nine minute video and he's done a lot of work with Fender who have just released uh, the Fender Adam Clayton uh, 50, the ACB 50 bass amp. And we all as fans and uh, fans of Adam's bass lines and his bass gear got a very good insight into some of the songs and the bass lines and how we interpret them in 2023. And that can vary over the years from the studio versions to the live versions. But up to, I think it was recorded just before Christmas. So it's only like three months old and it's very, very fascinating for me, and I think for other listeners to the podcast to look at how he's playing the likes of Mysterious Ways now, how he plays Streets, how he plays Bullet the Blue Sky. Um, I just thought it was an amazing nine-minute clip, and the way he spoke about the the mid, the importance of the mids, and how he fits into the U two sound. I'm not sure. To, have you had a chance to have looked at that video? But I, I, I
1: definitely, I definitely have seen it. Um, and uh, um. First of all he again he's just so soft spoken so smooth and he's going through some of the lines and I should also mention this this is important to note how Adam is a you know predominantly a pick player I'm not a pick player but I know Adam has played with his fingers over the years like when I think of two hearts beat as one right he's slapping and do do right but over the years he's now gone very much a pick player I cannot play no disrespect I cannot play with a pick forever but hearing him pick those lines and how he effortless, effortlessly moves his hand that's what right, I was noticing too rhythmical. how is his, his picking hand too yeah he's so rhythmic I was like damn it I, I, can't, I can't do that I can't do that but the sound of this amp seems to be the thing And I feel also, you know, this is the first time Fender's ever done a signature jazz, or sorry, signature amp for an artist. They've been signature basses from everybody Flea, Adam, Tony Franklin, you know, uh, all all kinds of basses and guitars. But an amp, a bass amp for, you know, designed from one artist seems out of the ordinary and the price seems the price is also out of the ordinary <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we, we, yeah, we'll boom. wait and see hopefully someone will put a review up soon in the next yeah. two or, or three weeks i look forward to seeing that online uh you champ.
1: Know, to oh
2: sorry sorry go ahead go ahead all right uh we do all right. uh so now we uh move on to uh the part where we put you on the spot um, okay. Yeah. So uh, what would be, or uh, would you consider your uh, top six Adam Clayton
1: baselines? Woo-hoo! right. <laughs> okay. Top six. Here we go. New Year's Day, because uh, that's iconic, just iconic. I love the way, um, I love the way um, ultraviolet sounds, ult- the ultraviolet bass line. Um, I- I'm not a big fan of the album, but this song, the album, stands out, and it's a great bass line, is Breathe. The Breathe baseline? Oh, yeah.
0: Cool.
1: The Breathe baseline has some very complicated parts. I also... I also really love... Mm-hmm, I also really love... The, the sliding in gone. So, go, gone has mm-hmm. just gone is another one. Um, and mm, mm, let me think, let me think. <laughs> That's four, right? That's four. So, gone. <laughs> and then I'm going to say, I'm going to say, even as simple as, because it's kind of it's very soulful, is Angel of Harlem. Oh, that's fantastic! It's just that soulful R and B sort of right. It's got that mm-hmm. that swing. And number six, number six, number six, um, number six. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. There's so many. I'm like I'm like running down set lists in my head. Um, you know? Okay. You know, in I'm gonna say this one, and I don't actually don't play this one, but I just heard it recently, and I thought that that's boss. It, so this is where you can reach me now. Uh, is that, is okay. that the title? This is how you can reach where you can reach me now. Um, um, um it's it's all base. Do uh, do you know? The, oh, i I'm, I might be messing up the title. You know what I'm talking about? This is where you can I was on reach the, the list album? Me? Was that I was on the list album? The last album, yes. Yeah. Yes. The last album. Um I'm just gonna make sure of the title here. So
2: this, this is where you, could reach where me. you can think reach out now.
1: Uh let me just make sure. <laughs> anyway, that song, that that yeah. that bass line is Kick butt. Kick butt bass i have to
2: go listen to that now.
1: That would be... That would be, that would be the six I, that I could... You know, they have so many songs. Like, so many songs.
0: And Mark, when you're playing live, can I ask you, on the same subject of bass lines, which one do you find the most difficult to play live with your band? Which
1: one do I find most difficult... Which one do I find most difficult? Hmm. Sometimes I find it's hard to make sure you're in the pocket when I play the fly. So when okay. I play the fly, just, I just, you know, a lot of things have to click and be right for it to give it that oomph. Um um, you know, my, one of my goals as a bass player at Acrobat was always like, don't be the weakest link in the band. <laughs> so, you need to practice these lines so that when you're on stage, it's not difficult. So, I find so sure enough. So, learning <laughs> the song, learning the songs have always been the hard part, the performance. It's usually better for me because I've come to the table and I've done my, I've done my my you know my work. Does that make sense? So uh, the fly can be the most difficult. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Sorry. So the, the the song is "This Is Where You can Reach Me Now." That that song, that bass line from "Songs of Innocence." Yeah. And it's you know it's not one of their popular songs. It's a deep cut, but that one is all rock and bass, rock, like legit, legit, legit song.
0: And Mark, can I ask what what's the future for you, for Mark, and for Acrobat? What have you any plans for the future?
1: You know, um, we we are now sort of out of playing bars. And we get hired for more corporate gigs or or sometimes um, you know like festivals, like like food festivals and bigger audiences. And it's it's a it's a great gig, it's fun. Um, we want to provide people with a YouTube experience without without being YouTube two. And we, you know, we're when I say we're trying to be YouTube, we're just trying to provide that music we just try and find the right gigs for the right crowds and just onward and upward so we you know we recently played uh upstate new york uh we have some gigs coming up in ontario here some local gigs some sometimes we do private parties so you know we always want to <laughs> we're now video we have video screens now and you know we're on to the ear monitors now and (laughs) i mean how we just sort of progressed as a band where you know and our drummer plays with the click and the click scott goes to the video and we gotta be on time because we can't be (laughs) on the video and we got the backing track you know you got the you know you got the 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 twinkle from the, the twinkle from bad the the twinkle that that's playing in the backing track—you yeah. can't be off on that. Like, there's a lot. Sometimes I'm thinking, I'm just a little amateur semi-pro band <laughs> here. What does real YouTube? How do they make it all? How are they going to make all that work in the sphere? Right? When they play this, right? How are they going to? So we just want to just keep doing what we're doing and do it with with flair and provide people with happiness. You know, it's not a career change for me. I'm a school teacher by day, but this is just a way that I can share my love of YouTube, of of Adam Clayton, of what the bass does, and have people enjoy the music. It's strange when I come off the stage, because I'm an extrovert, and I, I always feel like... <laughs> I, I, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> And I always feel like most extroverts are the singer or they are the guitarist, right? Unless you're maybe flea or, you know, the bass player is the guy who kind of sits back. But I've been drawn to Adam Clayton. I've been drawn to the bass. And there are times where I've finished playing where people come up and they give me a compliment about the bass playing. And I'm like, oh, thank you. You know, they, you know, Sometimes people don't consider the rhythm section so much. It's the you know it's, it's Bono and Edge, Bono and Edge, and I really feel that at this point in time, Adam deserves a lot of props for what he does. A lot of props, you know. There are too many bad jokes before about oh, Adam's a one-string player. Yeah, he just plays root notes and all this stuff. Like I said, the evolution of this man and his bass plan has been documented, phenomenal, and he is one of those four legs of U2 that make the sound that is phenomenal.
2: Yeah. Two comes, as you said, the respect by other bassists as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For what, for what he does and his role in, uh, in U2. Yeah.
1: And he's not, you know, doesn't have to be flashy. He doesn't have to. Be, he just, he's so comfortable being him and being you know debonair that it's amazing it's
0: amazing and mark before tom wraps up in a couple of moments uh, i want to say a couple of things number one it's been an absolute privilege to meet you i've read so much about you i've heard so much about you i've watched your performances your bases and today was certainly a highlight for me so number one thank you so much for coming on to the podcast it's been an absolute pleasure I'd also like to, is there anything else that you would like to say that we haven't covered or anything that we may have missed? I think I might have cut, cut across you earlier on, and my apologies. Is there anything else you'd like to no, say? No, not at all. I covered? think
1: I might, have talked, I might have talked the listeners' ears off today. <laughs> thank you for having me. Thank you for meeting, you know, thank you for having me and meeting you both and seeing you guys in the flesh. You know, it was, it was a pleasure to be here. And, uh, you know... I I bring my bass to school and I try and explain to little children how this is an instrument that's in every rock song you hear, but it's not the vocals and it's not the drums and it's not the guitar. This is a different guitar. And I feel like if we can get more basses, not too many because I don't want to be out of a job, but (laughs) more basses out there especially female basses even. like There's some little girls at my school who've taken up to playing the bass. And I just feel the instrument needs to be spotlighted more and and more respect. And people like Adam Clayton are, are doing that job well.
0: That's so cool. Thank you,
1: Mark.
2: This was a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, thanks so much, Mark.
1: You're
0: welcome.
2: Absolutely, Thank yeah. you so much fantastic thanks so much all right well uh that concludes today's podcast join us in june for episode four of clayton rocks uh the world's first podcast dedicated to adam clayton's bass lines, his bases and his bass gear on behalf of myself thomas ferriglio in new york and
0: nyle featherstone in dublin
2: and uh mark bake once again thank you youtube brother for being here uh thanks for listening everybody and uh we'll see you in the next podcast <music>
0: Clayton Rocks, the world's first podcast for bass players, dedicated to Adam Clayton's bass lines, his basses and bass gear. See you next time.